Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It is great to have you on board. If you don't like that, today's podcast is brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. Locally owned for over 20 years, New Works has a fix for you. Remember, they are available to you around the clock 24-7 for your plumbing needs and plumbing repairs. And all you need to do is go online. That's newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X plumbing.com. Got another email today from a very satisfied customer. Thank you. And I know New Works Plumbing thanks you as well. It's been great having them as a partner on this podcast from day one. Uh, they mean a lot to me. And again, keep them in mind for your next plum- uh, plumbing issue. Just go to newworksplumbing.com. That's N-E-W-W-R-X plumbing.com. You know, I've always been a big fan of, of broadcasting. I've always tried to study it. Uh, I love reading about it. I love hearing comments from different points of view. And there was a story the other day that I saw on Awful Announcing. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy was on a podcast and some excerpts of this interview that he did with the Marchant and Aran Sports Media podcast uh, were discussed in Awful Announcing. And it really resonated with me Because Jeff Van Gundy is somebody that I've had on my radio show in Sacramento a number of times. Got to know Jeff, not that I'm like best friends with him, but I've always enjoyed talking with Jeff Van Gundy. Of course, uh, the outstanding analyst now on ESPN, Mike Breen, the uh, lead voice of the NBA. And he works with, uh, of course, uh, Jeff and uh, Mark Jackson. But I want to read a lot of the paragraphs from the story because, as I said, I thought it was fascinating. I really did. Now, you remember, Van Gundy was a coach with the New York Knicks for over six years. And then when he got done uh, in Houston, I think it was 2007, uh, he became a guest analyst for ESPN. And then he became uh, a full-time analyst. But before that, he worked alongside Marv Albert and Mike Fratello on TNT, and you would think, well, gee, that's natural. I mean, Marv was the voice of the New York Knicks when Jeff Van Gundy, when Jeff Van Gundy was coaching, and you would think, well, that's great. Marv recruited him, loved him, and wanted him to work right next to him. Well, Van Gundy on the media podcast said that he and Marv Albert really didn't speak that much, which I thought was very 
interesting. He described the relationship as contentious at best. Quote, I did broadcasting once between when I ended with the Knicks and started with the Rockets. I went on TNT for a year, and Marv Albert really pushed me for that. And so I worked with he and Mike Fratello. The crazy thing, even though Marv did our games, it wasn't like we spoke often. He was one of the old school guys who wanted to keep a healthy distance between team and broadcaster so that he could remain objective. I didn't really appreciate it when I was the Knicks coach because I wanted more of a homer. And when we did speak, it was a little contentious. And then to find out that he is the one that actually pushed for me when we really didn't have any great relationship or anything. It really meant a lot to me. And I learned so much with him and Mike Fratello. So when I went to the Rockets and I was done there, I had a little experience. But I didn't have any designs on. I'm going to do this because I know I can be good at it. I sort of was in the way of TNT in that three-man booth. But I learned a lot. Interesting. Van Gundy says that he thought Marv was biased against the Knicks. Though Van Gundy now admits that he was perceiving that through the eyes of a coach. Very interesting. By the way, this story was written by Sean Keeley in Awful Announcing. The date was December 15th, just to uh, give full recognition. But interesting that Van Gundy saw Marv as not really being the type of supporter of the Knicks that Van Gundy wanted. Said he was biased against the Knicks. Quote, it always centered around Patrick Ewing. I didn't think he was particularly fair to Ewing. The thing I didn't understand is, and now I do, is that you just have to say what you think in those jobs. And you can't be worried about how it's going to be received. You have to try to be fair and direct And that's what he was as a Knicks broadcaster. And I thought there was an anti-Knicks bias at times and an anti-Ewing bias bias, and a pro-Jordan, pro-Bulls bias. But that was me as a coach. Me as a broadcaster now understand that, hey, Marv was just doing his job. And whether you agree with someone or disagree with them, it doesn't matter. It's the broadcaster's job to say what he thinks and to be honest and fair. Van Gundy was asked what other advice, all right, he would give to other broadcasters covering sports. I thought he said it perfectly. He said he thinks it's always a good idea to try walking a mile in the other person's shoes so you have a good idea of what it's like to be them. Quote, You're very appreciative when you have a different point of view. I think every broadcaster should have to try to coach and or play, and every coach should have to try to broadcast because then you'd have a greater appreciation for the job the other guys are doing. I'll tell you, that was such a well-written column by Sean in Awful Announcing, but I love the fact that Van Gundy gets it. And... He gets it when he didn't as the coach of the Knicks, but he does now. And I thought that was great. I thought that was awesome. And I also thought that his comment is, and I want to repeat this, 
The thing I didn't understand is, and now I do, is that you just have to say what you think in those jobs. And you can't be worried about how it's going to be received. You have to try to be fair and direct. And that's what he was as a Knicks broadcaster. And I thought there was anti-Knicks bias at times and anti-Ewing bias and a pro-Jordan, pro-Bulls bias, but that was me as a coach. Me as a broadcaster now understand that, hey, Marv was just doing his job. And whether you agree with someone or disagree with them, it doesn't matter. It's the broadcaster's job to say what he thinks and to be honest and fair. Honest and fair are the two key words, and I always try to remember that when I was doing games for the Kings. You know, I think most fans get it, but some fans don't. You know, we are local broadcasters. We root for the team. We want the team that we're working for and broadcasting for to win. Quite frankly, I've never met a broadcaster in the NBA, talking about a local broadcaster, that doesn't want their team to win. I've never met one in my 32 years, and we've talked about this a lot. I mean, if you were to go to Miami, Eric Reed wants the Miami Heat to win. If you are going to go to L.A., well, guess what? They want the Lakers to win, okay? If you are in Golden State, Tim Roy wants the Warriors to win. If you are in Dallas, Mark Folliwell and Chuck Cooperstein, they want the Mavericks to win. Steve Holman, the outstanding radio voice of the Atlanta Hawks, he wants the Hawks to win. Al McCoy, Phoenix, wants the Hawks to win. But all of these announcers have a great deal of credibility because they're not afraid to criticize the team that they announce for. And if you are fair and direct, you have no problem going to sleep at night. I've never understood why some fans cannot handle when their local announcers are critical. I talked to Ralph Lawler about this for many, many years. Because Ralph, with the exception of only a handful of years, announced the worst franchise in the NBA. And I remember talking to Ralph on the air about this and then privately... I asked him a question about, you know, decades and decades and decades of announcing for a losing team. And he said, hey, he goes, I don't get paid to root for the team. I get paid to announce the games. And he says, whether the team is winning or losing, I have a job to do. And my job is to do the play-by-play and have as good of a telecast as I can have. So he said, really, whether they win or lose doesn't affect how I do my job. And Ralph is spot on. I mean, probably next to Ralph Lawler, who's announced more losses in the NBA over that span of time than me, right? I mean, really think about it. I started doing the games in 1988. I probably have announced next to Ralph Lawler, I'm guessing, and I I may be wrong, the most losses ever in the NBA. I, I, I can't, I don't know who else would be above, but even if there is, you get the point. And I've always said if you can if you can announce for a bad team, well, announcing for a good team is a piece of cake. But the reason why I wanted to read about that today is I think the younger generation, and we hear Homer and you know the Kevin Harlan's of the world, and Kevin's a great great announcer. Uh, the, the high energy announcers are in. I mean, Gus Johnson is the lead announcer, you know, at Fox for college football. You know, I wouldn't consider Jim Nance 
that type of a guy. Jim has his own style. It's smooth. It's kind of just very easy on the ears. I personally think Jim is a great all-around sportscaster, but I think he's a better host than he is as a play-by-play guy. I'm a huge fan of Joe Buck. Joe gets ripped all the time. Think about what Joe does. Joe does the World Series. Joe does the NFL. I think Joe is a great baseball announcer and a very good football announcer. A guy that I'm not fond of, who is a consummate professional, and by the way, I'm a fan of his as a baseball announcer. I think he's outstanding, and that's Brian Anderson. But I think Brian Anderson on TNT is a very weak basketball announcer. I don't think he has a voice that translates to the sport of basketball. I don't think his inflection in his voice translates to the game of basketball. I don't think he's a very good basketball announcer. But he's probably as good as any baseball announcer working games today. I think he's great. Not good. I think he's a great baseball announcer. But I don't think he's that good of a basketball announcer. But for Jeff Van Gundy to talk about broadcasting and talk about homerism and talk about now he understands what Marv was doing when he was coaching the Knicks, I have a lot of respect for Jeff for saying that. Because when you are an announcer for a local team, you want the team to win. But I don't want to be a cheerleader on the air. I don't think that's right. I think you have to be critical at times when criticism is justified. I think if you ignore criticism, I think you lose your credibility. So where Jeff Van Gundy gave advice about walking in the other person's shoes, I learned that in the early 90s when Dick Mata gave me a whistle one day at practice and made me officiate. And I realized right then and there that the officials have an impossible job. That all, that's all it took. Me refereeing one Sacramento Kings scrimmage for about 30 minutes is all it took for me to have the utmost great respect for the officials uh, in the NBA. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit today uh, because I thought it was really, really interesting what Jeff, and, what Jeff Van Gundy had to say. All right, something else I wanted to talk about today, and I love reading excerpts from Phil Mushnick's columns because I think he's just the best. I really do. I think the guy is so phenomenal and he's not afraid to write what so many people think. The headline says from the New York Post, nothing says stop hate like fight with hated rival. As Roger Goodell, he writes, the pandering BLM suckered phony continues to adorn the NFL's end zones and backs of helmets with insulting reminders that NFL fans are presumed racist who must change their evil ways. He also continues to ignore what fans can't miss. The on-field actions and off-field criminal acts committed by players. For the record, I've been very consistent on this. I don't like the messaging in sports. I don't like the messages in the end zones, and I don't like the messages on helmets. I've been very clear about that. Phil writes, among those NFL-approved helmet messages is stop hate. Sunday, Dallas offensive lineman Lalil Collins was ejected after a forget-the-game sideline fight with Washington linebacker William Bradley King. Linebacker Cole Holcomb of Washington explained afterwards, it's Dallas. We hate them. They hate us. They can do what they want. I really don't give an S. Yes, Roger, stop hate. Raiders Chiefs was prefaced by the Raiders purposely gathering at midfield atop the Chiefs logo. College men and now professional athletes behaving like a street gang to declare a turf war on a rival gang. Pathetic. Some of the players wore helmets reading, Inspire Change. 
Great idea. When do they start? Vikings running back Dalvin Cook arrested twice in his youth, once for robbery, the other for carrying a gun when he was recruited to Florida State, having somehow conveniently beat the previous charges while continuing to rack up and beat more charges, is now being sued by an ex-girlfriend who presented photos of her swollen and scarred face she alleges were the result of Cook beating her. And then he countersued her for defamation. Cook wears a helmet carrying the inspired change message. Think about that for a minute, would you please? The messages that are on the back of players' helmets, and yet how often do I talk about players that go against exactly what is on the back of their helmet? Make sense to you? I'll tell you an easy way to prevent this from happening is remove all of the messages from the field and from players' helmets. I, for one, would give a standing ovation to the National Football League for doing, in my opinion, what is right. I am a proud New York Giants fan, even though they are an embarrassment. And I like the fact that they are a team that looks like a team. They sure as hell don't play like a team, but they look like a team. There's no messaging on any of the New York Giants helmets. They're all the same. Every player that comes dressed in a uniform out onto the field is dressed the same without any individual messages on their helmets. I, for one, support that. I like that. I'm a fan of that. And I would love to see it across the board in professional sports. I don't know how often I can say this, but I will keep on saying it because it's something I believe in strongly. I think social and political messaging on our sports fields and in our arenas is bad. I think it's bad. I think it's turning off a lot of fans. I think it's really pushing fans away from certain venues, from certain sports. And I, for one, will be glad if and when the day comes that it no longer exists. All right, today I want to have an extended Crowd Ultra question because I've got a lot of really good questions. And you can go to CrowdUltra.com. And if you do, maybe I will answer your question right here on the podcast. Chase asks, have you seen the new study saying NFL players are four times more likely to get ALS? I've seen bits and pieces, Chase, of the story, and it is very, very, very alarming. And I'm sure that you saw the autopsy that was released as it related to Philip Adams, who was in a, what did he kill, six people back in the spring, former NFL player, and the autopsy showed advanced CTE. Very alarming that there are acts of, I guess, violence that can be traced to CT, but you don't know that until there's an autopsy. You talk about Junior Seau, right? You talk about other players. Uh, It is very, very alarming. So four times more likely to get ALS. That says it all, doesn't it? Jackson asked, do you think Steph Curry would break Ray Allen's record this early in his career. I never thought about it, so it wasn't a matter of me thinking about it or not thinking about it, but I would say this. If Ray Allen played in Steph Curry's era, if Ray Allen played 
the same time that Steph Curry did, Ray Allen would still have the record. All right? And I'm not disrespecting Steph Curry. Steph Curry is great. But Ray Allen started his career for many, many, many years when the three-point shot wasn't nearly as prolific as it is today. What do you think Larry Bird would do if he started his season or his career the same year as Steph Curry? You think Curry would have more three-pointers than Larry Bird? Do you know how many other players? Can you imagine some of the names that we can talk about? I mean, even Reggie Miller. I mean, if Reggie started playing in this era instead of when he did, I mean, no, no, again, no disrespect to Curry. He, he wouldn't even be in there. I mean, it would, he might when he's all said and done playing, which I hope is not for a while. And, I'm not, and again, I'm not diminishing Steph Curry's record. What he did is great. And I'm a huge fan of Steph. But, I mean, come on now. Ray Allen played for many, 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 many years in an era where the three-point shot was not prolific. All right, Ray asked, would you have thought games would still be getting postponed throughout leagues in December of 2021 a year ago? I did not. And I think, Ray, this is going to get worse. I don't think it's going to get better. Look at what's going on right now in the NFL, the NBA, and the NHL. Look at games that are being affected. Look at how many players are out for tomorrow's game in Cleveland, the Browns. Look at how many players are out for Washington. I mean, we can talk about this. Look at the Rams. You know, at last count, what was nine guys on the COVID list? It's not getting better. It's going to get worse. The NBA has just implemented new protocols over the holidays. The NBA right now, I know in Sacramento, has let before I, uh, I think as I sat down to record this, four players and the coach. So, yeah, it's very, very, very alarming. An anonymous person. So I guess they don't want me to know what their name is. And I think I know why when I read this. You've criticized these sports gambling companies multiple times on the podcast. And now you've partnered with one. How is that not hypocritical? First of all, I have not criticized gambling companies. Okay. What I've, and I don't even think I've criticized anyway on my podcast. What I've said is I am not interested in fantasy sports. Like, my kids always try to get me to play fantasy football and fantasy basketball. I have no interest. It doesn't excite me. It doesn't do anything for me, okay? As far as gambling goes, I've said this. I don't see casinos going out of business. FanDuel just paid $120 million for four years to one individual, Pat McAfee. I talked about on my podcast the other day that I've sat back And I've done a lot of research on this. And when you say I've partnered with one, I would say this. I'm not gambling, all right? I'm still not, like, going on my app and betting on games. What I am doing is I am having fun with fellow sports fans without wagering money, without sacrificing my bank account. And I don't have any problem with people that gamble. I mean, it's a way of life. There are millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people that gamble every day. And there are millions of people that wouldn't watch the NFL if it weren't for gambling. I'm not being hypocritical at all. I've been very open and I've been very honest about this. I've always said, you know, gambling, it can be very addictive. And I know because I've got some friends that are compulsive gamblers and I've seen what it can do to their lives. And so it's like anything else. It's like alcohol. It's like whatever. Okay. You have to do it in moderation. 
don't gamble more than you can, but I'm not being hypocritical at all. I'm putting together a team. I want people to be with me so we can have fun and you can have fun without spending a lot of money. And oh yeah, by the way, make some money by recruiting others, have a team and compete against other teams. So I don't think that's being hypocritical at all. Morrison wants to know whatever happened to the Sacramento Kings 30 for 30. Well, still in the vault at ESPN and I don't doubt it will ever air. And it's a shame because I've seen it probably five or six times. And it is a phenomenal piece that was put together by Jason Hare, who directed it. Jason Hare also was the director for The Last Dance. I had him on my podcast, oh, back six, seven months ago. You can check it out. I think you would really enjoy the conversation we had. Uh, It was great. The 30 for 30 was great. I don't think it would resonate very well right now. I don't think a lot of people would even believe it if they saw it right now. I really don't. Because it was about how great the fan base is, how the community came together, uh, it was. I was interviewed for it. Uh, Marcos Breton. I mean, Carmichael, Dave. I, but I can go on and on. There were a lot of interviews. It, it was great. It was a great piece. The excitement, the energy for keeping the Kings in Sacramento in the new arena. Where's that gone? Where has that gone? And we have an owner who just sits by and doesn't even speak up. Doesn't tell people what the plan is. Doesn't want to take accountability. Uh, it's it. It's just. It's it's unbelievable to me. You know, the crowd the other night was for the Washington game. And I made this comment before the game started. I said it would be the worst crowd since the uh, new arena opened, with the exception of the two games that was were affected by the protest. And I believe I'm right. I mean, it was awful. It was absolutely embarrassing. Pat says, do you think it's funny that Bills fans donated 40000 to a blind charity in honor of the blind refs in the recent games? Hey, the Bulls fans. I mean, uh, the Bills fans, rather, they're the best. They really are. They really, really are. Uh, Jay says, have you seen what Jeff Van Gundy said about the remainder of the NBA season? I did not. I'll have to look at it. Did you think the Warriors, Aaron asked, would be a first-place team again after the struggles the past couple of seasons? I did not. They've been playing great. And wait till they get Klay Thompson back and get him acclimated. Uh, it would be, they're, they're, they're the real deal. And how about Phoenix, you know? Ryan wants to know, do you think Doug Christie has head coaching potential? Way too early to say. I think he still needs several years on the bench as an assistant coach. Uh, way, way too early to say. Way too early to say. Uh, Tyler says, do you understand these new international partnerships the NFL has announced? What I understand is it's going to increase the revenue stream, and that's about it. That's what I know. All right? That's what I know. Uh, Andre asks, could the NBA take a break? or go back into a bubble again because of COVID. I do not see a bubble, Andre. I do not think that's going to happen. Could I see them taking a break? Possibly. If things continue to go in the direction that they are, maybe. You know, they're not going to do it leading up to Christmas. I can guarantee you that. It's too big of a moneymaker for them. You know, again, money is going to dictate everything. You think the NBA is going to call off the games on Christmas if in the next five or six days COVID cases go like through the roof and it affects just about every team in the league? No, they'll still figure out a way to play. You know, they really will. Spencer asked, do I think that Russell Westbrook gets traded before the deadline? No. No, I don't. Uh, Kevin wants to know, have you read the reports about Philip Adams? I talked about that earlier about CTE, and it's absolutely awful. It's very sad. What do you think the Kings could get for Bagley and Buddy? Buddy, yes. Bagley, I don't think so. I don't see Marvin right now with a lot of trade value. Mitch wants to know, will the recent Philadelphia Flyers firings help their struggles? Probably not. Probably not. 
but it can't hurt. Hey, it's always great with your Q&A from CrowdUltra, and all you need to do is go to CrowdUltra.com, and maybe I'll answer the question right here on my podcast. It's time for Grand And today's rant is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella. Go to Roy's Umbrella for all of your home loan needs. And Roy's got a great deal right now. If you own a home and you're looking to buy a new home, Roy is offering a one-hour free consultation. That's right, a one-hour free consultation available to you. And talking to Roy, he sees big changes ahead on the housing market. Don't get caught up like maybe in 2007 and 2008 in that horrible period of time. Take up Roy on this opportunity to get your one hour free consultation. All you need to do is go to roysumbrella.com. That's roysumbrella.com. Well, next weekend is the 25th, which means it is Christmas. And I have been getting a lot of messages. Hey, Grant, ready for Christmas? Hey, Grant, ready for Christmas? You know, I'm not ready for Christmas, but I will tell you this. Since moving to Florida, you know what's great? I haven't had one person, not one person in Florida anywhere ask me, if I'm ready for Christmas. When I go grocery shopping, I don't have the person checking me out. Thank you, sir. Are you ready for Christmas? When I go to a restaurant or I go out, I don't have a son come up and go, sir, are you ready for Christmas? Like they do in Northern California and in Sacramento. Now you might just say it's being nice, but I did my rant on this a couple of years ago that it was getting ridiculous because I actually was being asked if I was ready for Christmas before Thanksgiving. And my response was, hell no, I'm not ready for Christmas. I'm a freaking guy. And I've talked about this very, very often. First of all, online shopping is the greatest thing in the history of the world, especially for us guys that don't really like to shop. But even with that said, doesn't matter. I'm going out on Christmas Eve because I actually like putting the work in instead of getting on my laptop and hitting a little keyboard and ordering that way. I'm like, I'm old school. I'm old fashioned. I'm going to get my ass up. I'm going to get in the car and I am going to go shop on Christmas Eve. So again, am I ready for Christmas? Hell no, I am not ready for Christmas. And the reason why I'm not ready for Christmas is it is December 20, or excuse me, it is December 17th. I better be ready for Christmas on December 27th. But I'll tell you this, ask me the question next Friday, okay? That's when I'll be ready for Christmas. But Florida, thank you very much to all the great workers in Florida. Thank you very much for not asking me if I'm ready for Christmas. You know what? You've made my Christmas. And to you, I say, Merry Christmas. And that's my rant for today. That's my podcast for today. Have yourself a fabulous weekend. And if you're going to go out and do a little shopping, eh, you you got a week. You can wait a week, but that's okay. I'll let you slide. Go out and do some shopping. Make it happen. And thank you so much for listening to If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.